I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Hi, I'm Shanti. And I'm Lynx, and you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Muses Podcast. We are the podcast all about the women of rock and roll, from the wives, the girlfriends, the groupies, to the PR women, to the photographers, to the musicians themselves. We cover it all. Welcome. So for the first time, we're doing something a little different today. We wanted to reach out to our music-loving community and ask you guys for some stories. We want to hear about how you got into working in the music industry or the day you realized that you were a groupie, stories of being on tour with your favorite band, everything in between. In part one of this special kind of episode, we're going to present to you two amazing women who heard our groupie call and turned out with some amazing tales. First up is our friend Trell, a Toronto-turned-Parisian doll who we know from Miss Pamela's writing workshops. She's a teacher, writer, mom, and stepmom, and I cannot believe that I've been writing with her for all of these years, and I didn't know this incredible story. I had no idea you didn't know, and it was so much fun (laughs) getting to like relive it through you because it's such a fun tale. Yeah. Chalini tells us about how she met her now husband who played in the band The Asteroids Galaxy Tour. This story is truly one that you need to hear to believe. So without further ado, here it is. So um, let's start with, let's say it was a Monday. It was a Monday. It was November the 5th, 2012. And I'm going to go back a tiny bit before that um, to, I'll say... 
July, August, 2012. And I had moved back to Toronto. I'd lived in Vancouver and I'd moved back to Toronto in 2011. And I was sort of just getting back to things. And anyhow, I was shopping. Do you guys remember the store Mendocino on Queen Street West? I have I shopped there never. And I was randomly in that store, just chilling on Queen Street West. And I heard um, this song playing on the speakers in the store. And I took out my phone and I shazammed it. And I was like, <laughs> what is this? This is cool. Because it was making me move. And I was looking at clothes that were ridiculous. But I was like, this is cool. <laughs> and so I was just dancing by myself in this store. And so I shazammed, shazammed the song. And the song was The Golden Age by the Asteroid Galaxy Tour. And if you don't know that song, it was really popular in the Heineken beer commercial. Um, where the guy ends up playing the flute at the end and they're at a party in a house. If you look it up, the golden age in Heineken, you'll see it. I um, actually cut my hair like the lead singer of that band did, when I had, like meta. When I, <laughs> when I had platinum blonde hair and I was teaching at the time and it was around Halloween and one of the students asked if I was wearing a wig. <laughs> let me tell you her hair is amazing and she styles it herself she's she's lovely um but before we get there so I heard the song and I loved this song and I thought this is amazing and so we're gonna go to um July August 2012 and I was like you know I'm totally into this band I checked out their album and I loved it and they had a second album coming out and I said when are they gonna come to Toronto because I love live music. I'm it's what I do. So I was like, I need to see when they're coming. So I Googled it and I missed them by a day. No. They had been in Toronto and I missed them by a day. And I was like, you've got to kidding me. So I put a notice, like a Google search notice on my phone that's like for the next time they're coming to give me a notification. And so this notification came in August that they were coming back in November 2012. So I was like, okay. Um, I'm going to get tickets. So I remember I got tickets for November in August and they changed the venue because they didn't sell as many tickets for the show as they'd wanted. So it went from being at, I think it was supposed to be at the Sound Academy and it ended up being at the Hoxton. Does the Hoxton still exist in Toronto? I don't know. Um, I've never heard of club. it. It's at Bathurst and Queen, south of Queen, north of King. Um, and it's next to, or it was next to a 24 hour diner. Very important. Um, and it was across from Healy's Jeff Healy's, um, yeah, Jeff I, he know died. The, I know the place. A, I'm not sure if it's there still though. Uh, I was across from Healy's. So yeah. anyhow, the Hoxton little club, like super tiny. Uh, the stage is insanely small. Uh, I can send you a picture from that night so you can see where I was with the stage. Absolutely. Anyhow, I was super excited. My friend, um, my friend Mitchie and I, because she, she, she's my concert friend, Michelle, I call her Mitchie. She's my concert buddy. So the two of us were like, let's go. We're, she's always up. She doesn't care what it is. If I say I have concert tickets, she's there. So concert buddy. And so we go and I was, I, I hadn't shaved my legs. I wasn't <laughs> going for any particular reason. I really wanted to meet the singer, Meta, the girl, because I thought she was just cool. And I actually really loved the lyrics to the second album. And they, and I should tell you at this time, when I first discovered the band, I was dating someone and we broke up because I, I'd had enough and I ended up 
kind of harshly kicking him out of my house, like told him that he had to be gone the next day and I was done. It felt so good and so liberating, I have to tell you. <laughs> oh, God, it felt so good. Uh, he didn't like it, but I really didn't care. Yeah. Uh, I was like, you just have to go. And I, like, weight literal off chest. And so, anyhow, I'd listened a lot to these Asteroids albums. Um, I lived in the suburbs. I lived in Oshawa at the time in the house that I bought myself on my own. And I was kind of in a really good place. I was single. I was happy with being single. I wasn't going to settle for anybody anymore. I was, I was spent time with my girlfriends. I'd taken up hula hooping. Uh, I was cooking really healthy and really enjoying it. I'd auditioned for cooking shows and made some finals and stuff. Like I'd really found my groove, you could say. So I was literally just going to this concert on a Monday night to, to dance because they make music that makes you move to dance and have a really good time. So we got there and uh, we got my, I got my classic cocktail, my Ryan ginger ale, just one, just, just to christen the night. And we went to the front. We pushed our way up and got to the front row. And I was so close that Meta's shoes, the singer Meta, she's called her shoes were like here. They're like, (laughs) She, if she, if I wasn't careful, I could get kicked in the face or if she wasn't careful, but she's lovely. She would never kick anyone. <laughs> she's and so, so gorgeous. She can kick me she in the really, face any day. It's, <laughs> it's intimidating how gorgeous she is. Let me tell you, it is so intimidating how gorgeous she is, but it's also, I'm fast forwarding a bit, but she's so nice. She's so lovely. She's like a truly beautiful person. Like it just, she radiates beauty, comes out of her because she is that way. She's such a sweet girl, woman, girl, anyway, person. Um, so we're at the front and I had s- such a good time. Uh, they played all the songs I wanted to hear except one. There's just one song I haven't heard them play live. I wanted to hear Bad Fever and they've never played Bad Fever live. So that's okay um anyhow they played a bunch of songs and I was singing along and I was dancing and I I noticed because in the band that there was a trumpet player and I was like hmm, he's nice I mean I always check up the band members it's the thing I've always done I love the music I'm there for the music but a little bonus it's nice when the band members are hot yeah. uh it's, it's pleasing so <laughs> I noticed this trumpet player was doing trumpet and he was doing percussion and he was doing keyboards and he was singing and moved around and I really love the configuration of their band because it's really just meta and the bass player it's the two of them and the other people are players so they're not actually in the band they are players that read the music that's written for them uh, and they can change depending on the tour and depending on the album. And so um, it's just Lars and Meta who are the actual band. Anyhow, so I was watching and I was dancing and there was a point where she was singing the golden age and uh, she came down and she was singing right to me and I was singing back at her and it was just like an amazing moment because she could see that I knew all the words to all the songs and so she literally was singing to me and um, I thought maybe it was in my brain, but I, I saw this trumpet player. I could swear he was looking like he could see me too. Cause I knew she was singing to me. Cause I mean, come on. If you see someone singing your song so passionately, like that's an amazing thing for a, a singer to see someone singing along to your words and, and having the time of their lives. So anyhow, uh, I thought maybe I was imagining things that this, gorgeous trumpet player was 
looking at me too, but I thought, no, it's fine. I had a good night. So anyhow, we and my, my friend Michelle and I, the concert ends. We have an amazing time. We're all sweaty. And uh, it's November and it happens to be one of the chilliest November nights in Toronto. It was the beginning of winter, like the, that first night after fall when you you feel the cold. Before then it was okay. And now you're like, oh my God, it's cold. You can feel it in your bones. So we needed coats. So we went to the back. Um, I bought, a t- I think I bought a tote bag or something like that. And I went to meet the singer and I have the picture that we took. Um, we took a picture with me and Meta and I told her that I loved her lyrics and that I thought she was a great um, artist and I really appreciated what they did. And so she was super happy to hear that. And so then I had to pee uh and i i uh, said to michi we should probably go it's monday night i have to work tomorrow and she's like yeah i'm gonna go grab our coats she's a good wing woman so anyhow uh i go pee and i come back and my hands are like still wet because you know how they never have paper towels and bars so i'm literally doing the like shake dry <laughs> and i see michi she's got my coat and her coat She's not wearing her coat. She's still carrying it. And she's with two guys. And it happens to be the trumpet player. And they also had a trombone player. Yeah. And so she's with the two of them. And I was like, oh. So I go over and I was like, hi. And immediately the trumpet player, he looks directly in my eyes and he sticks his hand out. And he says, he's like, hello, I'm Julien. His name is Julien, but Julien. He's like, hello, I'm Julien. And he says it with his accent. And I was like just hi i'm <laughs> i'm trell and he's like trell and i was like J-, he's like J- julian and he said it the like north american way i was like no i i couldn't say julian for like a year and a half i <laughs> i could say julian i was i was horrible at pronouncing his name the french way but anyhow he introduces himself to me and we locked eyes and at that point it was like we were alone the bar was still there. Mitchy was still there. Tony, that was the name of the trombone player. He was still there. Um, but we were just, I have no idea where everyone went, but we, we started talking. Uh, we, I asked him about his accent because I couldn't figure it out because it's not a typical French stereotypical accent. And so when he told me that he was French, I was like, oh, and I was like, I've been to France. I've been to France as you were talking about Shanti and we, we finished school and then we go travel. So I'd done my backpack around Europe right after university and I spent five days in Paris. So I was typically an expert on France and um, I went to Nice as well. So we started talking about the fact that I'd been there and I don't really remember everything else except for the fact that I could not pronounce Montmartre, which is Montmartre. Uh, Montmartre, but I was saying mm-hmm. the Montmartre was just ridiculous. I butchered the pronunciation, and he was trying to teach me to pronounce it. And anyhow, we uh, chatted until he was tapped on the shoulder by one of the band members because it was time to pack up, and uh, I was tapped on the shoulder by Mitchie because she's like, we "Should probably go because <laughs> we're gonna miss the streetcar and you have to go to work and everything." So Julien says. I'd really like to keep in touch with you. So we exchanged our Facebook messengers and Facebook profiles. This is 2012. <laughs> and because um, I was like, you, he lives in France. Like he's on tour. He lives in France. They're going to Montreal in two days. Like this is 
because it was in France. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had no idea about this meeting. And I'm oh, yeah. so... <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. It gets a little bit better. So oh, this is our first meeting and it's not, it's not done. So uh, we go, I go with Michi. We go out to get the streetcar. The streetcar's coming. Uh, it doesn't stop. We miss it. We are tapping on the streetcar. It doesn't stop. The driver is like, did his typical Toronto streetcar thing. Like you weren't standing at the stop waiting in the cold for too long enough. I don't know. (laughs) So he doesn't stop. We don't get the streetcar. And we're like, okay. And just at that moment, my phone, which hadn't been working properly, I get a notification. And it's Julien with a message saying, I wish you didn't have to leave. Oh. And, uh... I responded in my best franglish with je suis still outside <laughs> and uh Mitchie just looked at me and she's like go go yes. and she, and my car was at her apartment and I lived in Oshawa and this is the Hoxton downtown king of Bathurst so I was like it's fine I'll figure it out um and she's like here's the code to my garage because my car was parked in her garage and she's like go it's okay so I was like, just be still outside. Um, and he says, I'm coming. I'm like, okay. So, <laughs> so I wait and we go to the 24-hour diner, which is next door. And I ordered a green tea and he ordered a strawberry rhubarb pie because it was sliced with the whole pie because he wanted <laughs> to have dessert. And he's, that's where I learned he has a sweet tooth. And we talked for a few hours. Uh, all the while the band did their partying or whatever they do we were at this diner chatting until he was like, Oh, the bus is going to leave. And then he's like, I don't want to leave you. And I was like, I don't want you to leave me either. And so we go on to like, leave the diner and we go out onto the sidewalk and he's like, I'm going to, can I go, can I, can I come with you? Can I go to wake? We don't leave a day off tomorrow and, and we're going to Montreal and we don't play until the next day. Is there a train? Can I take a train to Montreal? I said, of course you can take a train to Montreal. He says, can I go with you now? I don't, just let's go. And so I was like, okay. So I waited on the sidewalk and he's like, wait, before I go to put, I'm going to go tell the band and put my trumpet on the bus. And he's like, just because he has trumpet as a backpack. He still has the same case. It's right over there. And um, he, he and I, we just, we kissed on the street, on the sidewalk in front of the streetcar stop that I missed. And I was floating off the ground. It's like that moment when gravity leaves your body and you are in the moment. You were, you're not in your body anymore. It was the most magical moment. And it just got cut a little bit short because Meta and other band members, woo! <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. He's like... He's like, I'm just going to go and put my trumpet on the bus. And they're like, woo, we know why you're not coming to Montreal with us. <laughs> so, um, anyhow, uh, so he came with me. We went to it in a taxi. We got my car and we drove back to Oshawa. And I did not sleep. Neither did he. That was awesome. What a night. Yeah. He didn't care that I didn't shave my legs. <laughs> no, um, he didn't. You're both no, so didn't. hot. And so... Um, I took him to the train station the next morning. I went to work and my colleagues were like, are you okay? I was like, 
yeah, they're like, you look different. I looked different. I felt different. I felt like this, there's, this person is so special. And I didn't understand what I was feeling. The feeling was true love. I just didn't understand that that's what it was. Um, it's something I'd never known. I feel really lucky to know it. Um, we chatted the next few nights uh, on Messenger constantly. And he said, come to New York. We're playing in New York this weekend. And it's the last gig before we go back to Europe. And so I was like, what have I got to lose? So I got a plane ticket. Uh, I got someone to look after my dog and my cat. And I went to, on Friday night, I went to see Yaysayer because I had Yaysayer tickets and didn't meet Yaysayer because I was not concerned. (laughs) And um, I was like, okay, that was good. That was a fun light show. And got up super early on Saturday morning and drove myself to the airport, parked in the airport parking. Wasn't too expensive, to be honest. Took the little shuttle, got my airplane. Got to New York. I think uh, I think it was LaGuardia. I don't know. Got to New York and got my taxi and met him in Brooklyn. And we went to, he took me, we checked in. So he'd found a hotel and he was so sweet because he says, I don't want it to be weird when I say come to New York. He's like, I'll pay. I'll pay for the hotel. I'll, do you want me to pay for your plane ticket? And I was like, no, it's okay. I can uh-huh. handle that. And so he paid for the hotel and he paid for this weekend I'd never been to New York City it was my first time and I haven't been back since I'd really like to go and anyhow we we did this thing in New York so you know the song like if you get lost between the moon and New York City the best thing you can do is fall in love I don't know if you know that song but I'll send it send you a link so we totally fell in love we went to strawberry fields of Central Park and we kissed there just we sat on a park bench and just kissed and we walked across the entire Brooklyn Bridge let me tell you not necessary (laughs) very very long very very long my feet have never hurt so much but it was still magical uh we ate cupcakes in bed we went to a restaurant and it was called the rabbit hole so I felt like I'd fallen down the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland we did so many amazing things and uh, the show was on the Sunday night because he had the weekend off in New York. So like we ate New York pizza. We just did, we just were tourists and had such a ball. We went, he took me to MoMA. He took me to the Museum of Modern Art so I could see my favorite Van Gogh paintings and we saw Picasso's and we just sat there, both of us and he appreciates art. So we had all these things in common. We got along so well and I... I don't know, I almost passed out at one point because I was just literally, I'd forgotten to eat enough. And so he got me soup and a grilled cheese sandwich and a diner. Like, he's just the sweetest. And so on the Sunday, we had to go for sound check. And he took me backstage. And it was so intimidating because there's Meta, this beautiful woman who I just met and said hello to and thanked the week before. and Or the Monday, now it's only the Sunday, so not even the week before. And she's doing her own hair and her own makeup and she's good at it. She's super good at it. And she's like, oh, hello, how are you? It's lovely to see you again. And I'm like, what? And then the bass player, Lars, as I told you, the other member of the band, comes up to me, puts his arm around me, 
you better not hurt Julien. He's never brought another girl backstage or anywhere. You're the first person that we've ever met that he's invited anywhere. So you must be pretty darn special. You better not hurt him or I'm going to, I'm going to know. And you're going to not like what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> like I've never, in all the times I'd never been backstage anywhere. I'd never been <laughs> threatened, you could say, to not hurt the band member. It, I'd never, I'd never thought of it like that at all. Um, and I was like, well, this is different. I'm absolutely not going to hurt him. No. And so it's just like, I'm the only girl he's brought backstage. <laughs> he's like, yeah. And um, anyhow, they played the show. And I remember after the show, Julian found me and he was a little frustrated. He says, I didn't see you. I couldn't see you in the audience. I said, I was to the side. I didn't want to bother you. I didn't want to do any I, I didn't want to stop your concentration it's you're still a professional and stuff like that and he's like oh yeah thank you that's right because I probably would have just looked at you the entire night and so but he because he was super bothered he couldn't see me dancing because he wanted to see me dancing he uh -huh. loved the way I danced and I was like thanks so anyhow we spent one last night in New York and I flew back to work Monday morning and I knew I was in love with him and to wrap up the story we did uh long distance we talked every day on skype and we every few months one of us went back and forth officially i the next time i went to paris uh and we spent we had a date in paris and he took me back to where he lives where we live now not the same place but the same city uh clermont ferrand which is the home of michelin tires that's <laughs> what it's known for michelin the michelin headquarters are here in clermont ferrand um, it's a city in the Vulcans. We're surrounded by volcanoes in the valley in the middle. Um, so anyhow, he's from here. And so he took me back here to visit areas of France I'd never heard of and never seen and whatnot. It was really beautiful. And like we just, like I said, every few months. Um, and to culminate, uh, his brother, he is married to a, um, a Japanese woman and one of my visits, I came in July 2013, uh, and they got married in Paris. And so we went to Paris for their wedding, and I got to meet his whole family for the first time. And I caught the bouquet. It was a little fixed <laughs> because there were no other single women, just me. <laughs> so it was a little fixed, uh, but I caught the bouquet. And then, um, in, so that was their city hall marriage. And then they had a huge party. Like the reception was a week later and I was still here for that. And I caught the bouquet there and there were a lot more single women. So that was, that felt a little bit more solidified, but we weren't engaged or anything like that. We were still going uh, doing it like we were still, still trying to figure it out but we knew we were in love with each other we just had to figure it out and then he, um, his brother and my sister well now sister-in-law were gonna have their wedding in Japan and in Japan they don't celebrate Christmas but New Year's is a big thing and they knew all the friends and family would be there around then so um, over Christmas vacation, I was invited to Japan for the wedding. So I went to Japan and I flew into Tokyo. Uh, the wedding was in Gifu City. It wasn't in Tokyo. We took a high-speed train. That was cool. But anyhow, I flew into Tokyo uh, and Julien and his brother met me at the airport and we did a tour of Tokyo and it was really amazing. And that night, 
uh, in the hotel, Julien proposed to me and asked me to be his wife in Tokyo, which was <sighs> really amazing. And then the wedding happened. And at the wedding, I caught the bouquet again. Uh, <laughs> and in Japan, the bouquet is not a bouquet. It's a teddy bear. Oh. They throw stuffed animals because it's super kawaii and super cute. I, yeah. They don't throw flowers because that's not what you do. It's like sacrilegious. It's, you don't throw flowers, but you throw teddy bears. So they threw a teddy bear and I caught the teddy bear. And we kept it a secret from the rest of the family until the following Easter because we didn't want to take anything away from his brother and his wife. We were there for their wedding. But yeah. it was... A really cool thing to meet in Toronto, fall in love in New York, uh, solidify that in Paris, like a first official date in Paris, you could say, and then get engaged in Tokyo. And then I now I live here. It's truly the most magical meant to be story, love story I've ever heard. And in fact, it's real. Yeah. Like, I feel like it starts people... with Shazam. Come on. <laughs> Seriously, like people wouldn't believe it it like it's one of those things you watch a movie be like yeah right whatever but yeah. wow it's real life yeah. seriously talk about like have you guys seen the meme um I don't need a boyfriend I need a backstage pass to find my husband <laughs> have you seen that if you can I'll find it and send it to you and it's like yeah totally I totally get that I just need a backstage pass you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. Trelawney definitely lived out my groupie fantasy in real life. To follow her adventures, head over to her website and her blog at trelawney.com. I'll link that in the show notes. Next up, we're going to hear from the beautiful and charismatic Ariana Benincasa. Shanti, have you ever been in the exact right place at the right time under the exact right circumstances? Of course, it's the groupie gift. Yes, exactly. So while on a trip with her friend, Ariana thought she was going to see a concert of an unknown all-girl band, but suddenly her plans changed when she was asked if she would like to go see Aerosmith instead, backstage passes and all. Hmm, I wonder what she said. Well, let's find out. <laughs> 
Okay, first story, which really sort of kicked off my eye into behind the scenes of the music industry, uh, happened right after I graduated high school, about 10 years or so ago. And my best friend and I had planned to go to New York City, super exciting, you know, is just really awesome be fresh out of high school and first step into the real world getting on a plane to exciting new york city so we were staying with her godfather and he's just wealthy wall street kind of guy and uh they were him and his partner were taking us out for a night on the town and we were in the car we were driving out of new jersey and he turned around and he said you know, we, we're, we're planning to take you ladies to go see this all-girl band. You know, they were hyping it up. And we were excited. And then he said, or we can go see Aerosmith with backstage passes. <laughs> and I just look at my best friend, Chani, and I'm like, what? Is this for real? We just start screaming in the back seat. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is a dream come true. So... We're like, yeah, obviously, let's go see. How is that the plan B? Right? (laughs) (laughs) We're like, how is this even an option? Yes, let's go there right now. So we're driving there and it's just torrential downpour. And the venue that they're playing at, I don't remember which one it was, um, but it was uh, outdoors. Luckily, when we got there, the rain had stopped. So we settled into our seats and ZZ Tops was an opener. And (laughs) I had never really, you know, dived into much to the music, but what characters just, you know, the sunglasses, the big beards, the fuzzy guitars, and it was just hilarious. And the rain had stopped at this point, but they were covering Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. Hmm. And just, they were playing that epic guitar and there was just a massive lightning bolt that shot through the sky, like right on time with the song. I'm like, this is, (laughs) this is insane. Like I am just living in rock and roll lifestyle right now. This is freaking awesome. So ZZ Tops was playing and then we had someone come over to us and grab us to bring us backstage. So the excitement started. Oh my God, it's happening. We're going backstage. (laughs) I love that feeling. That's my favorite feeling in the world. (laughs) Best feeling. So uh, we were brought backstage. You know, they told us to just hang out here. And um, we were just kind of hanging out for a little bit, just kind of, you know, watching everything that was going on. There was a Liv Tyler was chilling at a table like a couple feet away having dinner and I'm just like trying to keep my cool and (laughs) silently freaking out then some of the band members start trickling in we shook hands with Joe Perry Joey Kramer and it was just so exciting um and you know we were just talking to them we just graduated from high school and they were really, they were really, really awesome. Um, but uh, so it was my best friend's godfather's friend that I don't even know if he was their tour manager or what his connection was exactly. But he came over to us and was like, I'm sorry, like girls, like, I don't know if you'll be able to get to meet Steve. Like, we're like, oh, it's okay. Like, we're still really excited to watch from side stage. Like, this is gonna be awesome. Then all of a sudden, I just see 
the rest of the other people hanging out backstage just start like walking quickly towards these few figures and you're like what oh my god that's Steven Tyler he's right there oh my god so and we were kind of like shy we're like oh my god like do we go over there and join this little group of people there must have been like I don't know like 10 or 15 people so we muster up the courage and we go over and I'm just holding my hand out, just like shaking, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, am I going to get to shake his hand? So dude just comes over to us, leopard pants, painted nails. You know, he has his famous way of painting his nails. He just does like a strip of black nail polish down the middle, you know, his crazy hair. We shake his hand and he asks us for a picture. Would you like a picture? Um, yes, Steven Tyler, we would like a picture. So we go over and we take a picture and this photo is hilarious. Just, you know, deer in the headlights and just smiling <laughs> so big. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm touching Steven Tyler. P.S. He has the softest hands of life. Oh my God. I was like very, very pleasantly surprised when I shook his hand. Damn. Damn. Those soft hands. <laughs> um, yeah, and then what was really funny was uh, Mark Hudson was hanging around. He's Kate Hudson's uncle, and dude is such a character. He's got he dyes his beard like a rainbow. He's got blue <laughs> eyeliner on this like awesome like purple velvet suit on, and he was like he took a liking to us. He was chatting with us. He took our camera. We like have a selfie with him. And uh, it was just so crazy, like kind of hanging out back there. Like it wasn't so much of a planned like fan meetup. It was more just like a hang. And it was really awesome to be able to experience that at such a young age. And uh, the, the guy who brought us back there turned to us after and he's like, if you ladies were just a little older, you'd be in the back of his limo. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler could be my grandfather but I'll take it <laughs> anyways we never went to the back of his limo but we watched the whole show from side stage and it was so awesome just getting that exclusive access but it was also really funny because every so often Stephen would you know just turn around and put his back to the audience and just like cough or like you know just like you get to see all the nasty signs <laughs> of an old rock and roller (laughs) that that was really funny to witness um but yeah I was just on cloud nine for days and days after that such an incredible experience it's crazy how it just accidentally sort of came to you guys without knowing or you know preparing or anything and just this beautiful gift offered and how cool is that just hanging out backstage and that's the fun part just like watching how things are you know what happens back there and mm-hmm. links have you seen the picture I have not seen the picture okay. I'll have to send it to you ladies but it's so funny like you will know what I mean when I'm talking about deer in the headlights like my eyes are so wide I can't wait <laughs> to see it. It's an unforgettable moment. And yeah. I, when you were describing when Steven Tyler does end up walking and there's almost just like a hush or the energy in the room changes and you yes. know, you knew he was there before you saw him. Yes. Yeah. 
totally like yeah there was an energy shift you could just feel it you could just feel this rock and roll god in your vicinity and you're like something is changing oh my god steven tyler is in the building (laughs) wow so just when you think it doesn't get much bigger or better than aerosmith what happens enter the rolling stones we won't spoil it and tell you exactly how that happens we'll leave it up to ariana hit it so this story uh, actually has to do with my own personal experience of working a show with a massive band i worked with a band called the glorious sons and they were opening for a little band called the rolling stones oh my god what were you doing for work so I was the Glorious Sun's day-to-day manager. So, uh, you know, a lot of behind-the-scenes kind of work. I um, I worked at their label and uh, artist management company. It's kind of all grouped in one. So they had they have their two, like, main managers, but then there's always a day-to-day manager that does all the groundwork, all, like, the day-to-day tasks, So that was a very big day for the Glorious Sons. They opened up for the Rolling Stones at Oral Medante in Barrie in June of 2019. And it's funny because the uh, second, no, sorry, the first day that I started at Black Box, my boss turned to me and was like, oh, we just found out the Glorious Sons are going to be opening up for the Rolling Stones next year. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yep. I definitely started the right job. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it was just uh, a long game, you know, lots, lots of prep work, but still to this day, it is one of the best days of my life. It was such an incredible experience and it really just validated why why I do what I do, why I'm working in the industry. And, you know, working in music comes with a lot of highs and lows. It can be very stressful. There is not a healthy work-life balance. It is very demanding, but on days like this, it just really puts things into perspective. Like, yeah, this is why I'm doing this, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, most of the day was a lot of me just running around doing whatever I needed to for the Glorious Sons, um, not really coming into too much contact with, uh, you know, any Rolling Stones crew or anything. I had to go to all the merch stands, and but it was just insane seeing how a huge band like the Rolling Stones, how big their whole production is and their touring party is. Like, it's massive. Even the amount of merch tents they had, it was insane. And these, every single merch tent had long lines. Like, just, it was huge. It was like a big festival show, but just for the one band. Well, there was a few other bands playing that day, but um, the Glorious Sons had to slot right, right before they went on. So... Yeah, like I said, the day was like any other big festival show, just kind of running around until the boys, the Glorious Sons, were brought to take a photo with the Rolling Stones. And 
I did not think I would be going along for that. You know, I'm just little old me just, you know, hustling my ass off. And I didn't expect to, to join them, but there was a group of us, you know, some of the band's partners and the other managers and whoever else. So we have, uh, we have somebody leading us through, it really was a whole other world. Like it wasn't just a bunch of trucks and tents. Like they build an entire like, like commune <laughs> for this band and for the show. It's insane. We just were going through, you know, this building, that walkway, like this catering area. It was just insane. So we finally get to this random little building and it was very much like, okay, you stand here and the band, you position here in this line. We're going to have the stones walking in, come and take a picture quick. And then that's it. Like not, not too much hanging around and chatting. Like it's very, very calculated. And that's somebody's job too, is yes. to say you stand here and you stand here. And yeah. so that's like the manager of all managers of all managing things. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know there's just power the power yeah I know right like oh man must be so invigorating knowing that like you're on the Rolling Stones team too and just like it's I know when when I was on tour with the Gloria Sons and I was leading fans backstage there is like such a warm feeling in your heart knowing that like you're bringing such a wonderful experience to these fans and like you are the one walking them back there you know yeah you yeah. know that feeling. Yeah. Talking about it. Like, ah. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Anyway, so we were we were standing there. I was there with like the band's the Glory Sons photographer and uh, some other of our crew and standing back and just waiting, just waiting for them to walk in. And all of a sudden you see the glitter, the glamour, the Mick Jagger walking in. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh. I just squeezed Gavin's arm, the glorious photographer. I squeezed his arm as a like, oh my God, <laughs> you're right there. Just trying to keep your cool. Like these are the biggest rock stars on the planet right now. Are you kidding me? I'm like two feet away from them. Is this real life? So they start shaking the band's hands and they take their photo and I'm just like freaking out inside. I can't believe my eyeballs are witnessing this. I had never in a million years would think I would get the opportunity to be this close, this close to them. So it, it didn't last too long. They took their photo, they left. And as, as we're walking away, I just break down in tears <laughs> with happiness and gratefulness over being in that room. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have turned to me since I started working in music, like, Ariana, you need to become a little more jaded. Like you're a little bit too gung-ho. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I will never lose this passion and being overcome by emotion so much to the point that you're moved to tears. Like that is a big part of who I am. And in that very moment, I just broke down and I turned to my bosses and I said, thank you. Thank you so much for, 
trusting me in this job for giving me this opportunity. But I was like, this just, it just snapped into place. I'm like, yep, this is where I am meant to be. And it was insane. And afterward, we got a special wristband. So I got to be in the pit right in front of the stage watching them perform. Like, I didn't have to, you know, go on Ticketmaster to get a ticket. I didn't have to sell my left nut to get a ticket. I just got this wristband slapped on me. And I've, I've never seen the Rolling Stones perform before. And seeing them on that stage, you know, Mick moving, moving around like a goddamn rubber band. I don't <laughs> understand. Like, honestly, they all look like they had one foot in the grave. I don't know how they are that old. <laughs> and still bringing the heat. Like, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. I guess that's why they have such a big tour like crew right they do all the work they just mm. have to get up for like two hours and oh shake yeah it and then they get to rest again yeah like they they don't you know come to hang out on the grounds it's like they come from the hotel get out of the car go right onto stage and then right back in like that's how that's how they left the stage at the end of the night like they got off the stage right into a black vehicle off like they're off they're, yeah. they're not taken around but um, yeah, I just, my favorite feeling in the world is having that special access and being in front of that guardrail and looking behind you mm-hmm. and not only being like, hey, suckers, I'm in front of you, <laughs> but also just witnessing everybody's faces and their joy and singing the words back. It's just the best feeling being in between all the fans in the band and just like feeling that energy just like oh yeah there's nothing like it there's nothing like it all right everyone well we hope that you enjoyed this special episode we're gonna have a few more coming up this summer so stay tuned and thanks again to Trelawney and Ariana for sharing those what fantastic stories if you want to send us one of your story ideas email us at musespod at gmail.com thanks for listening and we'll see you next week Muses is researched, edited, and produced by us, Chantelle Mew and Lynx O'Leary. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays, available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.